Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. This week, I'm joined once again by a friend of the show, Bernie, to chat about the dystopian thriller, The Platform. So what's going on, man? You know, I'm, uh, I learned a lot from this movie and I'm super <laughs> excited to talk about it. Quite the aggressive movie to pick, but I'm really excited to talk about it because I think it's a movie that immediately, like, it's very simplistic, but it's very strange looking. So it kind of like grabs your attention in a way, but then it does a lot, it dabbles in a lot of other genres. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who haven't seen the platform, uh, it's set in the future, a near distant future where prisoners are housed in vertical cells and watch as inmates in the upper cells are fed while those below starve. Um, so like what kind of drew, uh, drew you to this movie? You know, I uh, I saw it uh, when it got released first on Netflix about like a month or two ago, mm-hmm. and I had no earthly idea what it was. It just <laughs> kind of popped up, so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a go, see how this works. Um, I think the biggest thing, especially when what the time that we're living in right now, mm-hmm. there are so many subtle messages in that that like you have to really watch it. I feel like once or you know two or three times mm-hmm. just really get the full aspect of what the director was trying to kind of portray in the message. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just honestly, I mean, after, aside from the fact that I didn't understand ninety nine percent of what was being said without the subtitles, mm-hmm. um, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's very oh, wow, yeah, yeah. It was one of those movies where. I don't know. I don't, I've had trailers for movies ruin so many movies for me now that like within the first 30 seconds if something grabs me or not, I just stop because I'm down for whatever this is. Like I'm either sold on it or I'm not. And this was one that I was really glad that I did that because I kind of had an idea of where it was going, but then sort of the creative and then which evolves into like disturbing ways that the director kind of gets into some of the uh, political undertones or societal class warfare stuff. Uh, that the film dabbles in, I think was really well done and kind of is portrayed in a non-conventional way, which I really appreciate for these types of uh, sci-fi movies or dystopian thrillers. Right. And I mean, the other thing, like, I, there are very few movies where you don't fully understand where the movie is going. I genuinely had no idea where this movie was heading. Yeah. Um, at first, when it starts, you, like you know, in the first five minutes, you're introduced to the concept of where they're in by, uh, you know, I think Jorgen is, or Gorgon is the main guy. I apologize if I'm unfortunate. Goring, yeah. He's the young, the young man. And then and his, his cellmate is Trimagasi. Yeah. Trimagasi. There we go. Um, you, you know, you listen to what Trimagasi is like, you see kind of his mannerisms. He doesn't seem like an intimidating character or a threatening character. Mm-hmm. He seems like more of someone who's, um, you know, he has knowledge that he can give you and he's going to try and look out for, um, what was the gentleman's name again? Gorson? Goring. Goring. Sorry. Goring. Yeah. That's going to happen a couple of times here. Make all the head of time. Um, but you know, you, you kind of play into it a little bit, 10, 15 minutes in, and then you start to learn more of the backstory of Trimagosi and you start to, you know, that question mark kind of starts popping up in the back of your head of, where is this going? What exactly is, is going to happen here? And I just think the way that everything starts to unfold, um, you know, I, I don't want to kind of jump into the spoilers right away. Right. 
it's it's fascinating to see the the trajectory of the movie and then once you're kind of immersed into like the the really dark side of it Mm -hmm. um, you're kind of trying to figure out yourself would you be able to make this like what would you do in their shoes and i think that really kind of makes this movie as the the most captivating that it could be yeah i think the pacing of this movie is not being praised as much as it should be because very much it starts out at the beginning it's almost comical yeah. Like it's very, str- first you're kind of, it's strange because you're in this, un- you're shown this unfamiliar setting and there's this kind of comical idea that everybody's eating the same food basically, but then, and also it helps that the kind of dichotomy between uh, Goring and uh, Trimagasi is very comical or it's very standoffish, just mm-hmm. seeing how these two characters interact and we start to learn their mannerisms and things like that. I mean, Trimagasi, the reason he's in prison is that he threw his TV out of the window in frustration and it accidentally killed somebody. Like that's why he's in prison, but it's like, it's very uh, dark comedy esque in a way. And their relationship starts off that way, which is pretty humorous. But then at the same time, the longer we're there and you realize that this isn't just 30 floors, this is upwards of 130. And then they don't even know how many floors it goes to. Right. And the idea that the food at the top obviously is the most plentiful. And the farther down it goes, there's less and less food for those same people. It becomes more and more disturbing. And we see some of the things that these characters have to resort to, to make it to survive. Right, right. I mean, you know, this might just be the the part of me that's silly, but I was thinking I would feel really bad for anybody that was the floor below me because there would just be nothing on that table. It would, <laughs> it would be a mess. I mean, I mean, that's something that they kind of address in the movie, right? When after a certain point, they real um, when Goran realizes like, oh, this is my predicament. Mm-hmm. Hey, why don't we start to radicalize people? And he tries communicating with the people that are at the floor above and the floor below. Right. And what happens? Somebody tells him to fuck off. Or at one point, somebody there's a scene where he meets another guy that wants to climb up, and somebody That's just throws favorite. some guy just throws shit on his face, and it's just like, fuck you, you're below me. Even though at the end of the day, the guy that's above him could have been on a floor below him because as we learn, I think it's a month, every 30 days, the cells are flooded with some type of uh, knockout gas Mm -hmm. and people wake up on a random floor. Right. So he starts off and how, who is on that team that is moving those people around? Cause that's like 400, 500, like dirty. (laughs) Yeah. And you're just like (laughs) carrying them from the fifth floor to like the 400th floor. What I mean, That's a tough job in its sense, but I would just like to say <laughs> a shout out to that guy, the Bahari, I think his name was, Baharo, uh, the African-American gentleman that got shit on his face. Mm-hmm. That was probably my favorite part of the movie just because he kind of <laughs> pointed that comical aspect of it when right. he was asking, who is your God? Um, and, you know, he's like the one true God and the guy, mm-hmm. the, the couple above him are like, okay, well, it looks like he's praying to the same God as us. It kind of took me back a little bit to what Trimagosi said. Mm-hmm. And, uh, him and Goring were having a conversation uh, at the beginning of the movie and they were talking about, are you religious? And mm-hmm. he said, it depends on the month. And so... <laughs> That kind of going to that, like it was a nice little full circle just in that kind of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, 
you know, it really is a, a case of luck more so than at, at that point, I think God. Um, and unfortunately, Bahara learned very quickly that it uh, doesn't matter how close you get to the right. top, you're, you're going to have to go to the bottom, unfortunately, to get to where you need to go to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think these moments that have these darkly comedic things at the same time, though, the entire theme of the movie being class warfare, wanting to be above somebody. And as soon as, but at the same time, just because you're on top, if you end up on the bottom, you're going to immediately begin to resent those people or your behaviors shift based on where you're at. So just because you, if you are on the 140th floor, you're going to be cursing the people at the very top. So as soon as you get to the very top, you begin to treat those below you the way that you were treated. And that's kind of speaking to the fact that nobody was willing to radicalize basically, which Mm -hmm. sends Goring and uh, the, the other cellmate that he meets eventually to go all the way down on that mission of all this food needs to reach the bottom or they have the one dish, the panacota that this dish has to survive from the very top to the very bottom to get sent back up. Mm -hmm. And we can get towards the panacota part uh, here in a second. I was just curious about what was your thought about, um, I know we're probably going to be jumping around here a little Mm -hmm. bit. What was your thought on his hallucinations? Oh, I loved that. I think considering how straightforward, like it's a strange concept, but once you wrap your head around it, it's very straightforward and it's very no thrills. It's very minimal set design. There isn't a lot of polish on it in terms of anything, I think, in terms of the setting or um, in terms of effects and whatnot. It's very much so based on the character's interactions. And then once he has the hallucinations, it starts to dabble in, seeing how his mentality and his mental state begins to shift drastically. Right. And I think that that part was not only was it entertaining because again, he has this back and forth, but now the back and forth is with a dead person. Right. And so seeing his men, his uh, mental capacity and stuff type of begin to degrade over time, especially when he's dealing with the hunger and we see some of the brutal things that they have to do to end up surviving in the entirety of things. I think it's, it makes for really great, um, like psychological aspect that really kept me engaged in the story because how are you going to make that 30 days or that chunk of time they perceive as 30 days on that floor? Interesting. Right. And you know, I, I saw there, there was a point where he had like a a piece of glass and Mm. he kept kind of, you know, scribing ones in the wall. Um, In theory, that would mean, you know, this has been a day. I always wondered how they got to that. Was it, because there's no sunlight in there, right? Was it just because right. the that platform that was moving down when it shot back up, does that signify a day or, you know what I, I mean? Like, I think when the platform begins to drop, that signifies the day. Mm-hmm. When it's, because the, I think there was a sound, it pl- there's a massive sound that echoes throughout when mm-hmm. it's starting to drop. So when it descends, like that is a new day, I think. I think that's how they perceive time, passage of time. Okay. And I'm assuming that it was, that's lunch, dinner, breakfast, that's everything. all those stuff, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's okay. So there's not like a thing where you have a lunch and dinner aspect of it. I mean, one of the things that I was really fascinated by, again, you kind of point to it, the deterioration of the mental state, but also mm-hmm. things that people have to do to survive. That girl that was <laughs> like half assassin, half just like, really like cool superhero mm-hmm. um i like did we ever figure out was that her actual daughter that was so, down 
Son. She claims she claims that she's searching. Her name's uh, Miharu. She's claiming that she's searching for her son or daughter um, in the prison, and mm-hmm. she does it every day, and she can never find him or her. And then I believe it's Trimagasi who says that's not even her kid. There's no children here. Not, so she's just crazy. Right. And we find out later at the end of the movie, Goring finds them in the very bottom or what they perceive at the time to be the bottom. Like when they reach the 300th floor or something, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we're finally done. But then it starts to keep, it continues to lower. And like little moments like that really in my mind, solidify this. And we'll get into some more moments like this in a minute. Solidify this is very much dabbling in horror because it's this idea of like, you find, you've spent the entire movie getting from point A to B and then all of a sudden it's presented there's actually a point C right. in the last minute. Like, that's terrifying to me. This idea that you're on this journey and you've expended everything, your mental stability, your physical stability, and yet your journey's not even halfway done. A hundred percent. I mean, the original conversation um, for why Goran and um, Baharo, I I, again apologize if I'm butchering that gentleman's name, the African-American gentleman, but he said that um, basically his calculation was he calculated, he like timed how long the platform was going down Mm -hmm. and then how long it stayed. So he calculated like 250, 275 floors. And then when they get to that floor, and again, like you said, it kept going down. See kind of the the shock and horror on their faces. I think they looked how we felt, where yeah. just again your your kind of stomach drops a little bit, and you're like, okay, this is never ending. Then does it actually ever come up? Like, are we seeing something else come up? Uh, you know, the, in terms of the platform, um, what it what is the structure of this like this situation? How are they going to get out of it? I think that was just a very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more, the longer the movie goes on, the more horrifying it becomes. Like, I love the dystopian kind of setting. Like this is in the future, this is an alternative to a traditional prison or this is their types of prison. Mm -hmm. Whereas everybody, it seems for the most part that we encounter is there by consequence of their own actions. Mm -hmm. And yet the protagonist is there because he wanted to a quit smoke. He wanted to quit smoking. He wanted to read a book. And was, he got an accredited diploma. I right. Think. That would, that would be his reward for doing this. Right. It was like, he goes in for, I think he's supposed to only be there for a month. Uh, no, no, no. I think he was supposed to be there for six months or a year. Oh, okay. Like yeah. So um, for an extended period of time, he would be rewarded. And yet as soon as we find out what it's really like there, he's like, Oh shit, I fucked up. Like this was a mistake. I think he basically felt like everyone that went to Phoenix University or whatever those BS uh, online schools are. Just something like DeVry. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. But, um, you know, being serious about it, you know, again, you look at um, the kind of thought process that they have trying to, you know, the the woman, for instance, the second cellmate that he has – she was one of the administrators in the yeah. administration, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And she said she had been sending people down there for like 25 years and she had no idea what it was like. Yeah. I can only imagine, again, she didn't seem like she was a full sociopath or psychopath. <laughs> I can only imagine what those first couple of days must have been like when you realize like the hundreds of people that you've sent here and how they've yeah. 
endured all this and now you have to do this. I think the psychological aspect of it, again, tying into the mental aspect we were talking a little bit ago, mm-hmm. it's so powerful and it's, it's just so unnerving all the time to see these little kind of things pop up and again, putting yourself in their place. Um, it, 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 it's what make this movie just as phenomenal as it was. Yeah, I think her character, especially the administrator, the uh, ex-administrator who's now there voluntarily, I think it really ties into kind of one of the themes of the movie that it shows the people at the top are so out of touch with the experience of uh, the masses yeah. in a way. And that's one of the more subtle examples. I think as much as I enjoy the whole framework that the political undertones and commentary are built around, it is very, very blunt to the point at the end of the movie, like they're beating people's heads in with blunt instruments to get their message across like these types of things. But at the same time, I think her her character and not only her character, but I think the, they do a great job of illustrating Goran, Goran's realization that like, how stupid must you be to pick? Cause everybody gets to pick one item they can bring into the platform or they call it the pit one item they can bring with them. And people are bringing it. It's very reflective of each character's um, uh, sensibilities and characteristics in a way. Cause his cellmate Trimagasi, he brings in a, uh, a knife that sharpens itself. Mm-hmm. And then well, a good choice. Yeah. Solid choice. But yeah. then Goring brings Don Quixote just because he wanted to read the book. And it's just like, you could have brought anything. Also just, you bring a, bring a bigger book. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Done with that. in what, like seven hours, eight hours. Right. It's a lot of, a, a lot of time that you're idle after that. Yeah. Um, bring, bring like uh, Atlas shrugged by yeah. Andran or something that goes on for like a thousand pages. The Harry Potter series. I mean, <laughs> Pretty much anything other than what he brought. Um, yeah. what, what would you bring, by the way, if, if oh, you were in that shit. position? Good question. Oh. Hmm. Probably, well, there's no outlets, so it can't be anything like a laptop because that's going to run out of battery. Um, Maybe a Tesla. Well, actually, no, there's <laughs> sunlight. A rechargeable flashlight? No. Um, huh. I don't know. Maybe like a deck of cards or something that kind of hasn't something that you can entertain yourself with infinitely. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, if you have cards, you could play solitaire, you could play blackjack, you could play whatever mm-hmm. with your roommate, but I don't know, man. I'd kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd, I beat you too many times at blackjack. I just throw you down the pit. <laughs> yeah. There could be some, uh, some collateral damage coming from some of those blackjack games that you're doing, man. For sure. Um, How about you? Maybe. Actually, maybe like a board along the same lines, maybe a board game, maybe chess or something. Actually, yeah, because then you could play checkers with it too. I like I like the way that you're thinking. Yeah. Um, I, cyanide or some <laughs> sort of weapon, because I'm a big guy. I'd probably be one of the first people on the the chopping block to get eaten. Like, <laughs> that i got bad knees um so um you know some sort of a weapon probably like a samurai a samurai sword and if they allowed me to bring a second one maybe like a vcr or like some sort of a guideline on how to use it i mean trimagasi uh, had the right idea a knife that sharpens itself it's like it's like having a gun that never runs out of ammo basically like it's never going to get dull and we see that while uh goring uses the glass 
Mm-hmm. Trimagasi's just using that knife to mark the tallies on the wall. And as right. he does that, it's continuously sharpening. Mm-hmm. So what character did you feel that you connected with the most in this? Because it seemed like every character represented a different kind of portion of society. Yeah. Um, probably Goring, because I could see myself signing up for something without thinking it through all the way. And then immediately when you get there, realizing this is not, this is not what I signed up for. Like, I don't know about you, but I've gone on job interviews before where I needed a job and I was like, oh, this is like somewhat tangentially related to my skill set. And then you get like 20 minutes into an interview and you're just like, this is why am I, this is not what I thought it was going to be at all. I don't want to do any of this. Like, I that happened to me recently. associate at 7-Eleven meant you're just a cashier. No, I'm with you, man. I, um. I was going to say Trimagasi has a similar personality to me in that, like, we're both smart asses and standoffish, but at the same time, he ends up eating motherfuckers, so I don't know about that. Yeah, I was like, you probably don't want to throw him as the first person that you connect yourself with, but... It's very telling if you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I was kind of fascinated by, and I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, at one point, um, Trimagasi accused G- Goran, the main character, of being like asking, "Are you a communist?" Like, oh yeah, yeah. With the idea of, do you, like, let's set aside food, mm-hmm. and it kind of hit me. I did. Uh, I'm not saying that only people on the left are like not making it too political, but mm-hmm. um, it was fascinating to me that in their pursuit of trying to make sure people got fed, they inevitably killed people. Yeah. And I think that, again, kind of making it, you know, in terms of like a a movie that's trying to have a lot of political messaging in it, Mm -hmm. I thought that's kind of a fascinating look on, okay, well, there's always, everybody has these positive, you know, helpful ideas or motives, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if not everyone agrees to it, someone's going to die, no matter what your message is. Um, And I think that, you know, what you touched on earlier and kind of bring that full circle i think it's just kind of fascinating how again you you watch the movie and then you have a conversation about it and there's so many small little niche like subtle messages that yeah. kind of hit on you're like holy shit that's what they were trying to go for mm-hmm. you know, kind of unraveling it um so again i mean there's so many easter eggs and things like that to this movie that make it so special um what was the point where, or it, was there a point ever when you were, um, you know, watching this and you thought that uh, there was kind of no hope for, for the main character or any of the people that are in the pit? Yeah, I mean, I, I just assumed it was going to get to the point where he wakes up. Like, there are several different, not to get too far ahead to the ending already, but I think there were several different avenues that this could have ended on that would have been more impactful than what we got. And we'll, I'm sure we have similar feelings about the ending, which we can get into in a minute. Um, I assume that it was going to be, he felt like he succeeded and then he wakes up and it's like, he's on the 600th floor or the thousandth floor kind of thing. He just wakes up and there's just bones around him or something like that. Like, or I think a different twist would have been interesting where he succeeds in his mission and then he wakes up and he's on the first floor. And then we see that he becomes what he hates basically like to kind of further send home the point that everybody everybody's an idealist but once you get a, like a modicum of power you turn into that thing that you wanted to rally against so much right and i mean listen those cakes that were at that were getting sent down oh yeah you could live a little bit off that chocolate cheesecake or whatever that was oh yeah sprinkles and all that stuff um Dude, you get your pick of the best pick of the crop 
Well, so the other thing they they mentioned at the beginning, or sorry, not at the beginning, uh, at some point through the movie, they were saying that um, people like could choose the foods that they wanted, like their their preferential plate. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's so that's how they stock the platform. When you go, it's part of the questionnaire because we get small snippets of uh, Goring when he's being interviewed by the uh, administrator, and they ask what your favorite food is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's how they decide what goes on the buffet that is the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of, t- that ties into more of that dark humor where Trimagasi says his favorite food is snail. Yep. And then when he ties down Goring, eventually he's like, I'm not going to make it if I don't start eating you. And he starts cutting off slices of Goring with that knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, he keeps referring to him as his snail. Yep. And he starts like <laughs> cutting off chunks of his shins and stuff. Like it's a fucking brutal movie, which I was not, I should have seen some cannibalism coming, but I didn't just because of like how comedic the movie begins. Right. And actually both of those actors are, were, they were specifically picked because their body of work was exclusively or a majority of it was comedy. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to say their majority of their work is in cannibalism. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> an interesting thing to have on your resume. <laughs> That came up in the uh, the casting process. <laughs> How does it look like when you eat human flesh? No, but I'll eat a motherfucker. I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, Alex Jones should probably go there, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so you know, looking <laughs> looking at at that film, there were you know, and I, I'm probably repeating myself a lot, so I apologize. But there no, were no, you're good. Times that you know, I was watching it, uh, you know, certain scenes. And again, you're putting yourself into that mm-hmm. when he woke up and he was tied down. Mm-hmm. I had no earthly idea what happened at first. I thought maybe they like someone came down and raided them or something like that and had to tie him down for some reason. That, or, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Like there's so many different things that pop in your mind. One of the very last things were that, that, um, t- Tamarang guy was the culprit behind this. Um, right. And when you saw that girl kind of leap out um, from the platform and kill him as, uh, you know, he was taking a chunk of, of the main character. Yeah. Again, it just, it shows that there's always like, just when you think like this shit's going to be crazy, like there's always something to kind of move it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, I think they really, you touched on it earlier, they paced it really well where, you really have no idea what's coming next. And even when you're in that scene, mm-hmm. there's no, like I had no idea that something like that could happen. I just thought we were going to watch him get eaten for 30 days. And then. There right. was, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do agree that again, like the movie's very unexpected and it goes in a lot of ways. I guess the only thing I wished was we'd gotten more moments like that because again, it is a super limiting setting. Like mm-hmm. how much can you do with that setting? And we see that based on the pacing and how there's such an emphasis on the narrative and establishing their relationship early on that those kind of shocking, surprising moments really do, uh, they hit a lot harder than they normally would. I think if they, if this was like a film that was set in a different setting, more expansive, whatnot, not so restricting, I think those types of things would have, we would have seen them coming a mile away, but because we're so focused on them getting their meal and them kind of rationing things, that those just become that much more impactful and memorable. Right. Um, if you had to, so I'll ask you a question now. If you had to go in, what would your favorite food be that you would want? You know, if I had to know that it would be, I'd have to eat this every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're lucky enough. 
Right, right. I mean, just be on the platform. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any steak on there, like some steak and mashed potatoes. Yeah. Or but does it have to be something that you don't need utensils for? Because they don't have utensils. That's the only thing. I mean, listen, I was a baby and I ate mashed potatoes. I didn't have utensils. I just had the good old hands. That's um, no, but actually, now that you say that, maybe like some sort of a power smoothie. Or some sort of like a hearty like steak salad, just so you get like as silly as this is to think about like getting all your nutrients. Because when you're down on the third floor versus the three hundredth floor, mm. you're gonna probably need a little bit more energy. And you know, having a cupcake every day is probably not gonna do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's probably what I would go with. Uh, what mm. about? You? I don't know because I'm not a picky eater. I'll eat whatever, and not that picky eaters would not survive long there. I'm trying to think of like something that I would want that's not like maybe like some type of beer I like or something like that. Something that I could, there's a potential to get it every single day because when it comes to sustenance, like I'm going to eat whatever I need to, to survive. Like what is the likelihood that I make it to the first 10 floors or 20 floors when there's like probably 500 floors or it goes on forever. Right. It's like if I was lucky enough to be at the top floor, I'd get 30 days of that one item that is like a luxury. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. Well, I mean, there's wine. So now that, now that I think That's of it, true. I'm sure someone probably was just like, eh, fuck it. You know, I'll, I'll get a snail or I'll get a, a <laughs> chicken or something or a pineapple. Like let's, mm-hmm. let's make sure we got some Guinness in the house or liquid sustenance. Yeah. Um, what, like, was there a moment in this movie where you thought, holy shit, or it kind of clicked in that this is a, a really good movie for you? Or was it just as a whole kind of like a roller coaster? Um, I think what I, uh, so one scene that I really, really liked that you had uh, mentioned earlier that kind of like, it made me appreciate the creative narrative ways that they get around it being such a singular location setting. And like, I'm a big fan of movies that are usually set in, especially in horror movies that are like single location Mm -hmm. because you have to do a lot of creative things with the space that is continually recurring throughout the movie Um, is the, the, when he's talking to the dead, to the dead, uh, I can't think of his name, Trimagasi. Oh, okay. Yes. When Trimagasi dies and he's like having visions and talking to him. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. And I, cause again, just because he's dead, he's still taunting Goring and all these things. And he's telling him like, you got to eat people, you're a murderer, this and that. And I really, really liked how they continue to focus on his degrading sanity instead of either speeding up the pacing. So he just wakes up on another floor or dragging that out of him starving. Cause mm-hmm. that would have gotten really fucking boring, but to throw in this psychological angle again, kind of dabbling in horror in a way where he's being haunted by these ghosts of different people mm. is something that really, really clicked with me. And it gave me a greater appreciation for the story as a whole. hundred percent. I mean, when I was kind of going off of that, when he was with that administrator and she mm. ends up killing herself and same thing, he's having those hallucinations of her going, you know, I think she was saying some sort of Bible verse about like, mm drinking the blood of people or something like that and they live forever like i'm jewish thank god i don't listen to that shit (laughs) Um, uh, but 
you know, that was, it was just so fascinating. Cause again, you, you think about you're alone for 30 days, the thoughts that are going to go in your head, especially if you're hungry and deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I, you know, when I saw it the first time I was a little put off by it. Cause I was like, I get it. Like they're trying to make this a horror movie, but, um, or a psychological thriller, but this is getting a little bit too grotesque. Uh, but then See, I eat that shit up. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of zombies, but like, I just thought it was more, uh, like it was a little too gratuitous, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it was makes just sense. Little... I just don't agree with it. Yeah. Well, I hate you too. Uh, <laughs> but when you go down, um, when they're going down the platform and then you see those other people that are on those lower floors, I'm not talking about like the 70th floor, like when they're going down to the two hundreds and then you yeah. see, the two old guys just sitting in like a little bath and they throw like a piece of meat at him and they like yeah. hurt each other. Mm. Or like there's some guy that's just like, he killed a woman. He's just eating her slowly. Yeah. as going down. Like that's the kind of shit that you're dealing with at those floors. He was kind of lucky to only have to be down there once. He was yeah. for the most part, he was relatively high until I think, maybe one or two of the six months that he was there, he really had to kind of go to that depravity. Um, what was like, it, is, does that kind of remind you of anything? Do you think that was some sort of an ode to something or was that? I, I mean, more- I, I think a lot of the graphic nature of the movie is actually really necessary because it kind of reinforces this idea that um, people can't shy away from violence like mankind. And it's very much a reflection of, kind of mankind's instinct to rip one another apart quite literally in this movie. Um, which again, kind of feeds into how out of touch the people at the top are with the people at the bottom. Cause if you're within those first 30 floors, you're still going to be eaten. But then once you get all the way down to the hundreds or the two hundreds, it's slim pickings. And that's when those roommates start to look pretty tasty. Um, I mean, do you remember the very beginning tam- Tamarang? Sorry again, uh, Tamarang, the the elderly gentleman that gets killed at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He like pissed on the food. Oh, uh, Trimagasi, yeah. yeah, Trimagasi. Excuse me. He pissed on the the platform food as it was going down for the people below him. Yeah. Um, I, that just it fascinates me, but also scares me. Like that kind of shit was going on, and again, like how just volatile all that things, you know, that whole scenario was, mm-hmm. what, what was your thought on the ending? Um, Cause I was honest, I was more so confused than anything. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all for the guy being, um, you know, holier than thou and all that stuff. But dude, if I'm right there, I'm 25 seconds away from freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stand with the ghost of a dead dude and just yeah. with him as like this chick just flies back up above me. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. Well, first off, Trimagasi pissing on the food, I think, shows again how as soon as you get a little bit of power above someone Mm -hmm. or more power than somebody, and now they're your subordinate, Mm -hmm. a majority of people abuse that instantly, which we see because he was in the hundreds, I think he said, before he was in 28. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's how he starts treating people because he feels he's vindicated now that I can treat these people how they were treating me, even though. It's, pro- it's more than likely different people <laughs> that are directly below him who didn't do shit to him. Right. They could have been even below, they could have been below him. But when you get that much power, you kind of don't care about that anymore. Your sense of reasoning kind of goes out the window. But in terms of the ending, I'm a fan of ambiguous endings generally, mm-hmm. but this was so sudden 
Yeah. That there was no, they had just spent the entire second act kind of trying to achieve their goal. Mm-hmm. And then it just ends with the girl flying up on the platform. There was no last minute. Like I didn't even need a final answer on something, but I needed something that is more rewarding in terms of like seeing some type of result in completing this task right. instead of just completing the task and then not knowing whether it made things better or made things worse, mm-hmm. especially for this movie. I think that would have been far more impactful. Kind of like one or two of the examples that I gave earlier, we see what happens when mm-hmm. um, Goring gets, or yeah, Goring gets a little bit of power. Does he start to begin to behave as Trimagasi did? Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe he gets to go up and he's on the first floor. Now we see how after, 10 days of sustenance, how he begins to act towards people below him, maybe. Like, I think that would have been a lot stronger of a final message that shows he was this idealist and he radicalized everybody basically in the platform by force, but they still did what he wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that would have been a far more interesting ending than kind of just leaving it up in the air. 100%. I mean, I, that's the only part of the movie I genuinely didn't like. Yeah. Um, I like as silly as this is, even if we saw the ending and it's just the girl getting thrown down the platform, like down Mm -hmm. as horrifying as that would be, at least that there's some sort of an end to that quest. Yeah. Um, I think the idea that we're left guessing on what happened as much as I, you know, I like the idea of trying to kind of think of your own ending. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think this is the type of movie where you're, I think this needed, this required some sort of a definitive answer, kind of like you said. Especially when 90% of the movie, they're not shy about the the, like the blunt political undertones of the entire movie. And then to end the movie without a stance or or anything Mm -hmm. feels just super underwhelming. Like again, they spend the whole movie talking about how people at the top are shitting on people at the bottom. And then people that were at the bottom to get to the top, they start to shit on the people that they were once a group part of. And then to just not have something like even your example, that would have been a far more profound ending if it's people sleeping and then you just see the girl's body fly down the pit all the way to the bottom. Cause then it shows, Oh, the people at the top at the very, very top, just don't give a fuck. They don't care about anybody that's below them. And it doesn't matter if they're a child or a grown man. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been, far more impactful and memorable than this make your own ending thing, which again, I'm not opposed to that. Like an example of a movie that I think ends ambiguously that I'm a fan of is like drive. Mm -hmm. That movie ends ambiguously when he gets stabbed and he's driving. You don't know if he bleeds out or if he survives somehow Mm -hmm. that whole movie, his character's motives and things are very ambiguous. So that works. Mm -hmm. But in this, the movie takes such a stance on its beliefs and its messaging Mm-hmm. That to end the movie on a non-answer or a non-solution just doesn't really work for me. It seems out of place. I mean, one thing, thank you for spoiling Drive for me. No problem. Um, <laughs> it's, only, it's only almost a decade old movie, but that's fine. You know what? There, I have seen, you really not seen Drive? I have not, no. Isn't that, oh, no, I'm thinking of Speed. That's the one. <laughs> I haven't seen that's that. The Keanu Reeves, that's the Keanu Reeves movie. That movie's good. I watched that for the first time uh a couple months ago it was actually pretty fun does that have an ending that you want to ruin for me as well? uh no that one i will not <laughs> no but um kind of moving away from that aspect of it 
what did you think if there's anything about this movie aside from that that you'd replace mm-hmm. um is there anything else that you would have wanted to see in it um like you know anything kind of peak your mind in that sense i guess i would have liked them to um develop miharu's character a little bit more the woman that's searching for her son mm-hmm. um i think i would have liked that more instead of her being just this silent assassin which again I, a moment with her character that I love is when those two guys below uh, Goring and Trimagasi, they pull her off the platform and it's very much implied that they're going to rape her. And then she kills both of them and just gets back on the platform. Like, I love that moment because it's those two scumbags getting what they deserve, basically. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted them to develop her character more, mm-hmm. like give us more of a reason behind her. Or it would have been even more interesting if uh, Trimagasi was correct in that she doesn't have a son. She's just some crazy person. Like in developing that kind of aspect a little bit more, mm-hmm. I think that would have been cool to see like the implications of if you're in this place for too long, you lose your mind. Right. Like, you don't just have to worry about uh, sustenance. You have to worry about your mental state. Mm-hmm. Well, so I think, uh, what was it? Um, Trimagasi or the administrator were saying that she had she was like trying to be the asian marilyn man monroe or something like that oh yeah that's right like she had come into the place to i don't even understand the the, the logic behind it again that kind of p- points mm. to your point of kind of developing her character a little bit more yeah um but i was just fascinated by so there's a kid in there even though that administrator was a hundred percent um, you know, forceful and saying there's no way that they would have kids under 16 or some sort of that, that again might be an example of the people at the top being so out of touch with what's going on. The person that is supposedly in charge of the selection process doesn't mm-hmm. even know that there's kids there. Right. That might've been part of it. Mm-hmm. The, the logic behind it. Um, yeah. One of the things that I was thinking of when they were going down, there were a couple of floors where there was three people. So I was, oh, yeah. do you think instead of bringing like someone, I, th- I think they mentioned had like an exercise bike or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Hey, you got to keep your cholesterol down somehow. Right. But you imagine um, having to move a fucking treadmill from floor to floor every month. That's yeah. That would not be ideal. Well, yeah. at least have a platform. It's not too difficult, I guess. That's to fair. Over, but either way, um, do you think that you're, you could bring a person as your, <laughs> That's crazy. I never even thought of that. No, probably not. Because <laughs> that would be the shittiest way to wake up and you're just, you know, you're a banker one day, you're living with your lovely wife and kids and all of a sudden you wake up in the cell and it's me just next to you going, I'm really sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> now there's one more mouth to feed. Oh, that's a good point too. So they probably wouldn't have allowed that then. No, I, I I, one scene that I really liked that, again, kind of just shows every, all these different prisoners' personalities because mm-hmm. we don't get to know anybody other than the core cast really well. But mm-hmm. you can tell everything you need to know about a character by what they brought. Yes. Like going down, they notice one of the guys. There's like a brief montage that is them going down and just shows what everybody brought. Mm-hmm. Like one guy brought a katana and then mm-hmm. they get to one and one guy brought all of his money. Yeah. He's like rolling around in his money and it's just like, why the fuck would you bring money that's completely useless here but then again that tells you all you need to know about that character even though he's not essential to the story at all mm-hmm. it's still just very revealing about who they are and 
at the end of the day, they probably deserve to be there if they think that money was something that they should bring. Right. I mean, I would assume his theory was he would buy people off somehow. Um, I remember when they were going down that you see that, that visual of him like looking at money and Mm -hmm. then he like throws his body over it almost thinking people are going to steal it. Right. The very next scene as they're going down again, he apparently threw money down on them because there's like dollar bills. Oh yeah. yeah. I never understood what that was. I, I wonder yeah. if you have a, a kind of a thought on that. Is that like, again, is that another sort of subtle political message? Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Showering those below you with the riches of those above kind of thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe it kind of just in seeing this, them wanting to bring the Pentecota all the way to the bottom. Like that is him kind of like, I believe I'm above these people, but I'm going to spread my wealth he's like the only person that tries to help anybody below him. I guess he thought that giving them money, even in this one place where money is completely pointless, has no value. Uh, maybe he saw that as a way of like supporting. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I like that idea. Yeah. There's again, there's just so many different avenues that you could go off of. Yeah. Um, as you were saying that I was like, kind of sounds like trickle down economics, but I don't right. want to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, looking at kind of the, the breadth of different movies that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely put this one up there um, as a one, not it's not one of the best movies I guess I've ever seen, but it's definitely up there in terms of like the intrigue and the, the thriller aspect of it. Um, there's not too many movies where I've been watching it and I genuinely halfway through had no earthly idea how it was going to end. Most of the time, you know, that the good guy is going to win and he's going to get the girl or, you know, Mm -hmm. some, some positive outcome for it. Uh, I don't think there's ever really a moment where you're like, this is going to end up really good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) It's not a, it doesn't inspire a lot of hope, but I would definitely, I would say that this is one of Netflix originals best movies hands down. Cause I think Netflix more often than not, a lot of their original content is not very good. It's yeah. like very underdeveloped and to have this mm-hmm. be developed for it and have these very overt kind of social commentary and political commentary things interwoven into this dystopian thriller mm-hmm. is uh, not only is it like a genre that I really, really enjoy, but to like impart this disturbing commentary into it, like really hit a groove that I really enjoyed. And it made me think more than any of those, a majority of the Netflix stuff that I've seen in terms of the movies, it's very much a surface level examination of everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it's very blunt, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it dabbles in so many genres that I was constantly entertained and even if the ending is very underwhelming mm-hmm. overall, like three fourths of the movie I enjoyed. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me not to recommend it just because the last 30 seconds is disappointing. Right. Right. I think the, the main takeaway for me from this movie was, is that I definitely wouldn't want to be a cellmate with you in that. Uh, no. Yeah. No. Seeing how much you can clean. No, no, no. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't want that issue. <laughs> But uh, yeah, man, uh, this was a great movie to pick. Um, I've been dying to talk about this movie too because it's one of those things where, you, I don't know, people are still very wary of subtitles, unfortunately. So I was glad that somebody, or at least in my friend's group, uh, I was glad that somebody reached out and said they want to talk about this because this, this is a movie you could talk about all day and it's one that already I'm planning on rewatching 
just to kind of find some of the little things that I missed to that. All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on again. I mean, as always, you got an open invitation. It's always great to uh, chat about movies with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Daily Horror Habit podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram or at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.